Greetings, my brothers and sisters. Welcome. Episode 107. We're in our fourth season. Thank God for his many blessings. Yes. Yes, yes. We're just grateful to come before you today on this last Saturday of February. That's right. This is officially the Black History Month, even though we celebrate Black History 365. 24-7. Yes, yes, yes. But this is the last Saturday, so we're going to continue to focus on life. Mm-hmm. And we've been talking about African American first for the last couple of weeks. And uh, we're going to continue with life. But our part two on African American first, we had a number of categories from business to politics right. to sports and everything in between. But in part <laughs> two, we had a business category where we talked about the savings bank of Grand Fountain United Order of True Reformers in Richmond, Virginia, wow. which was the first bank owned by African Americans in the United mm-hmm. States. It was founded on March the 2nd. 1888 by Reverend William Washington Brown and opened on April the 3rd, 1889 as the True Reformers Bank. We also did a category on media Mm -hmm. in part two, and we talked about WGPR TV. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. We're talking about where God's presence radiates. Yes, it was the first television station in the United States owned and operated by African-Americans. The station was located in Detroit, Michigan. Uh, We like to call it uh, Motown City or Mo City. Motor City. Motor City. And was founded by Dr. Williams Bernard Banks, Mm -hmm. an attorney, businessman, and minister, and founder of the Fraternal Order of the International Free and Accepted Modern Masons Mm -hmm. and Order of Eastern Star in 1950. So after he purchased WGPR, where God's presence radiates radio station, 107.5 FM, then he founded the TV station, which operated by African-Americans as well in Michigan in 1964. We also talked about in the law category, lawyer, excuse me, category, the Attorney General Letitia James. She was the first African-American woman to be elected to and hold citywide office in New York City, and the first woman to be elected attorney general, and what we like to celebrate, the first black woman to bring charges (laughs) against former 45 president. Yeah, yeah. So we're going to continue in that vein. Mm -hmm. Today, we're going to talk about multi-talented African-Americans, and our subtopic is highlighting the greatness and many talents, gifts, and innate abilities of our Black brothers and sisters. Well, let me just say before we get to our shout outs, thank you once again for joining us. Uh, But I I just want to say we as a people, I'm I'm referring to my people, people of color that looks like me. Uh, We're not lazy. We're not stagnant. (laughs) That's right. We're not predictable. You can't box us in. Uh, and we are a people that are trendsetters. You know, we, we set the standard. We do things first. That's right. <laughs> and then others have to follow. We're originators. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're creative. We're innovative. We're trailblazers. Right. You know, folk want to just follow behind what we do. But remember, <laughs> we create, we first. 
And we're just unstoppable. Mm -hmm. And to be honest, we're just truly blessed by the Lord. We as a people, I want to say we're like the modern day Mm -hmm. uh, Israelites. I mean, we are (laughs) some blessed people. Yes, we are. So yes, let's get into our <laughs> shout outs before we get started, because y'all can see I'm excited about this topic. Uh, <laughs> yeah. We're all multi-talented. Tap into your multi-talents. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we want to definitely give a shout out to our fellow podcasters here on BS3 Network. Uh, there are so many of us that are bringing you a yeah. variety of content for yes. your viewing and listening pleasure. Yes, uh, yes. And we have a fearless and tireless leader uh, that works from sun up to sundown. That's our son, and he got it honest. But sometimes sun got to slow down a little bit. But he is a visionary, yes, you know, that yes, really yes. puts the energy behind this network. Mm-hmm. And so we um, are operating uh, as he leads us in the spirit of excellence. So right. we just thank God for BS3 Network for mm-hmm. this platform that he's provided for us. Uh, ben Sutter the third mm-hmm. is the man, Mr. Mm-hmm. Podcaster, Mr. Podfather, oh, yes, that yes, of- yes. offers coaching. If you are interested in becoming a part of the podcasting arena, uh, we'd love you to have you here at BS3 Network. Oh, yes. Uh, oh, yes. We have a very structured program available mm-hmm. for you to connect with. Uh, reach out to him. His information is on your screen. And also, if you have not downloaded BS3 Network on your Roku devices. We list that as well on the screen. We invite you to check us out Mm -hmm. uh, and share, you know, let others know once you check us out, we know you're going to love it. Mm -hmm. Then you share that information with others. And if you'd like to reach out to us at Cesar's podcast, that's our information on the screen. We'd love to hear from you as well. So uh, without further ado, we want to just uh, enlighten you and share with you what BS3 Network is all about in a short little video clip, and we'll be right back. BS3 Network, changing the way you watch TV. get started now we just have actually one category we talk about multi-talented african-americans and today we're going to talk about athlete slash artists yes athlete slash artists so the first 
one we would like to bring to your attention was is Romir or Ramar Bearden. Mm -hmm. Now, Ramar Bearden was born September 2nd, uh, 1911 in Charlotte, North Carolina, my birth city, if I can just add. Ah, the QC. The QC, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And he grew up in New York City in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Mm -hmm. He was an athlete, an artist, author, and songwriter. He worked with many types of media, including cartoons, oils, collages, mm -hmm. and he graduated from New York University in 1935. And unfortunately, he passed away March 11, 1988. So the Bearden's family, this family is very interesting, I tell you. The Bearden's family moved with him to New York City when he was a toddler. This was a part of the Great Migration. They would call it the, the Great Northwood Migration or the Black Migration. And basically what it was, it was the movement of 6 million African Americans out of the rural South to urban, either Northeast, Midwest, or West than part of the country between 1910 and 1970. Hmm. So it was caused primarily by the poor economic conditions for blacks or what were considered colored people back then, mm -hmm. as well as the prevalent racial segregation and discrimination in the Southern states where they had Jim Crow laws mm -hmm. that were being still upheld. In particular, the continued lynchings that we talked about in our Brian Stevenson episode right. on last month. So what this do? This motivated, motivated a portion of African-American community to leave the South and they searched for social reprieve, kind of like what we did when we left the South and moved to the Bay Area <laughs> in California in 1982. We were after that, uh, that great migration period, right, but right. it was still a migration for us yes. in itself. So a this, necessary Necessary one. migration, yes. yes, yes. So this historic change mm -hmm. brought the migration what was amplified because black people mm -hmm. for the most part moved to these largest cities in the United States, like New York city and Detroit, and Chicago, Cleveland, Philadelphia, Los Angeles, and Washington DC at a time when those cities had a central culture, social, political, and economic influence over the United States, hmm. which transformed them cities into what we like to call chocolate cities. Okay. <laughs> These African-Americans established influential communities of their own, despite the loss of leaving their home and their families in the South like we did, mm. and all the barriers that we faced in our new homes. The migration was an act of individuals and collective agencies which changed the course of American history. Mm. I'm talking about a declaration of independence written by our actions mm. and not by the laws, mm. which brings me to my first scripture, which is Luke 11 and 9. It says, and I say unto you, ask and it shall be given. Seek mm -hmm. and ye shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. So we stepped out on faith, like a lot of our brothers and sisters. Mm. They stepped out on faith and God blessed us. Which brings me to my next scripture, which is Hebrews 11, 1 and 6, okay. where it says, Now faith is a substance of things hoped for right. and evidence of things not seen. We didn't see where we were going. We didn't see our future. They didn't see where they were going. They didn't see their future. But verse 6 says, But without faith, mm. it's impossible to impossible. please him. Right. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, right. and that he is the rewarder yeah. of them that diligently seek him. Mm -hmm. So after enrolling in, in PS 
1935 and 1917 on 141st Street and Edgecombe Avenue in Harlem, New York. Mm. Bearden attended PS19, I'm um, PS139, followed by DeWitt Clinton High School. In 1927, he moved to East Liberty, Pittsburgh with his grandparents and then returned to New York City, which is very common. We talked about that before, how mm. a lot of the kids were living with their grandparents. Very common because of the economic struggles that their parents face and the hardships. Right. So the Bearden household soon became a meeting place for the major figures of the Harlem Renaissance. Now, the Harlem Renaissance was an intellectual and, and cultural revival of mm -hmm. African-American music, dance, art, fashion, mm -hmm. literature, theater, politics, and scholarship centered in Harlem, Manhattan, New York City. And it expanded the 1920s and the 1930s. So they met at, their par at his parents' house. Wow. So he was raised in this Afrocentric artistic environment. Mm. His father, Howard Bearden, was a pianist. But his mother, Romare's, Romare's mother, I'll tell you, she was a bad sister. Of course. Bessie, yeah, Bessie Burden. Girl power. Burden, yeah, she played an active <laughs> role with the New York City Board of Education. Mm -hmm. She was the first woman to become a member of the local New York City School Board. Come on. Being elected in 1922 to a local school board number 15, mm -hmm. where she served until 1939, and also served as founder and president of the Colored Woman's Democratic League. Wow. She was also a New York correspondent for the Chicago Defender, which is an African-American newspaper. Now, Tal Calvin Tompkins, in the, the jazz uh, Candace of American culture, he described Bessie J like this. She said, a political force in Harlem. Ah. Someone you came to when you wanted to cut through the red tape mm. and get action. <laughs> this was his mother. A fearless woman. Yes, 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 yes. She was powerful. She was a powerful, yes. powerful woman of God. So Bearden, he had Cherokee, Italian, mm -hmm. and African ancestry. Wow. And the Washington Post describes him as an African-American. Just one little drop of yeah. black blood, then you black. That's he was African-American. Mm. But Bearden's fair skin allowed him to cross boundaries that many other black people were restricted from. So as a child, he played baseball in the empty lots in his neighborhood. Mm -hmm. He enjoyed sports, throwing discus for his high school, wow. track team, and trying out for the football team. I love now, it. After his mother became the New Yorker editor or the New York editor of the Chicago Defender, he did some writing for the paper, mm -hmm. including some stories about baseball. Mm -hmm. In 1929, he graduated from Peabody High School mm -hmm. in Pittsburgh. He enrolled in Lincoln University, and that was the nation's second oldest historical black college, mm -hmm. founded in 1854. Wow. But once Bearden transferred from Lincoln University to Boston University, mm -hmm. he became a starting fullback for the football team in 1931-1932. He did it all. Did wow. it all. And wow. then he began pitching. He began oh. pitching. Now, first for the freshman team, mm. and eventually for the school's varsity team. He was awarded a certificate of merit for his pitching at Boston University, which he hung with pride in subsequent homes throughout his life. Now, while at Boston University, he played for the Boston Tigers. 
a semi-professional, all-black team based in the neighborhood of Roxbury. He, he tended to play with them during the Boston University baseball offseason and had opportunities to play both iconic Negro League and white baseball teams. For an example, he pitched against the historic, classic, I mean, the all-knowing Hall of Fame, Satchel mm. Page. Oh, wow. While playing for the Pittsburgh Crawfords for a summer league. And he played exhibition games against teams such as the House of David and the Kansas City Monarchs. Now, when Philadelphia Athletics catcher Mickey Cochran bought a number of the teammates to play a game against Boston University, mm. Bearden gave up only one hit. Mm. Wow. One hit impressing the athletic owner, Kona Mack. Now, Connie Mack, excuse me, now Connie Mack offered Bearden a place on the athletics 15 years before Jackie Robinson mm -mm. became the first black major league player. 15 years before he was offered a position mm. with the athletics. Sources conflict whether Mac thought Bearden was white mm. or told Bearden he would have to pass for white. Mm. So despite the Athletics World Series in 1929 and 1930 and the American League pennant in 1931 before they moved to Oakland from Philadelphia, mm -hmm. just like the Warriors did, oh. Bearden decided to he did not want to hide his identity. Not gonna deny. Proud to be a black man. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So he chose not to play for the Athletics. Mm -mm. After two summers with the Boston Tigers, an injury made Bearden rethink his attention he was given to baseball. Mm. And he put greater focus into his art instead. Mm. So he was a proud black man. Even though he was a light-skinned black man, he was yeah, proud. Yeah. He said, I'm black and I'm proud. That's it. So he served as an art director for Bean Pop, Boston University's student humor magazine. Bearden continued his studies at the New York University, where he started to focus more on his art and less on athletics and became a lead cartoonist and art editor for the medley, which is the monthly journal of the secretive Ecolon Society. Now the Ecolon Society that was founded in 1832 was dedicated to furthering the literature of arts. Members held hour debates and proceeded for readings of essays and mm. orientations and poems at New York University. Hmm. Bearden studied art, education, science, mathematics, and he graduated with a degree in science and education in 1935. Wow. 1935, Bearden also became a caseworker for a Harlem office hmm. in New York City Department of Social Services. And throughout his career as an artist, Bearden worked as a caseworker in order to supplement his income. You know, as an artist, sometimes you can be a starving artist. Right. It depends on who collects and, and offers you certain uh, money for your projects or for mm -hmm. your paintings. So he had to supplement his income. So Bearden worked as a caseworker. He continued his artistic study hmm. under German artist George Quartz at the Art Students League in 1936-1937. And during this period, Bearden supported himself by working as a political cartoonist for the mm -hmm. African-American newspaper, including the Baltimore Afro-American, where he published weekly cartoons 
from 1935 until 1937. So he began his artistic career creating scenes of the African South. Mm. Later, he worked to express his humanity he felt was lacking in the world after he experienced in World War II while he was with the U.S. Army on the European front. And what he did when he came home from that experience, he also noticed the racial discrimination practices in America. So he returned to Paris in 1950 and he studied art, history, and philosophy at the Sorbonne. Now, Byrne's early work focused on unity and cooperation within, within the African-American community. After a period of the 1950s, when he painted most abstractly these themes reemerging in collage work in 1950. New York Times described Bearden as the nation's foremost uh, colonist, mm. uh, collagenist, have you pronounced it? Collagist, mm. I guess you pronounce <laughs> it that way, in a 1988 obituary. Mm. Bearden became a founding member of Harlem-based art group known as the Spiral, which was formed to discuss the responsibilities of African-Americans artists in the civil rights movement. Bearden was the author and co-author of several books. He also was a songwriter known as co-writer of the jazz classic Sea Breeze, which was recorded by Billy Epstein, a former high school classmate at Peabody High School and check this out, Dizzy Gillespie. Mm. He had long supported young emerging artists and he and his wife established the Bearden's Foundation to continue this work as well as support young scholars. In 1987, Bearden was awarded the National Medal of Arts. It was in 1954, at the age of 42, that he married mm. Nate, Nanette Rahan. And she was 27 at the time. He was 42, she was 27. She was a dancer from Staten Island, New York, and she later became an artist and a critic. So he began exhibiting again in 1960. About this time, he and his wife established their second home on the Caribbean islands of St. Martin. Mm. But in 1961, Bearden joined the Cordier, or Cordera, an Estrom gallery in New York City, which would represent him for the rest of his career making major changes in his art. He started producing abstract representations of what he deemed as human, specifically scenes from the passion of Jesus. So he evolved. Hmm. He evolved from the Edward Allen Jewell, a reviewer of New York Times called a debilitating focus on regionalists and ethnic concerns. He evolved to what became known as the stylistic approach which participated in the post-war aims of avant-grande American art. His works were exhibited at the Samuel M. Coates Gallery until it was deemed not abstract enough. Mm. Now, during Bearden's success in the gallery, however, he produced Golgotha. Wow. A painting from his series of The Passion of Jesus. Golgotha is an abstract representation of the crucifixion, mm -hmm. which brings me to this scripture, John 19, 17 to 18. And it says, and he bearing his cross went forth into a place called the place of a skull, which is called in the Hebrew Golgotha, mm -hmm. where they crucified him. And two were with him on either side, one, and Jesus in the midst. And Pilate wrote 
a title and put it on the cross. And it was written was Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. So this eye opening of a viewer is it, it, drawn to the middle of the image first. And the man in the middle where Burns had rendered Christ's body. The body parts were stylistic or stylized into abstract geometric shapes that are still too realistic to be concretely abstract. This work has a free of early Cubanism. And the Cubist work of art is the subject of analyzing, broken up, and reassembling in an mm -hmm. abstract form instead of depicting objects from a single perspective. The artists depict the subject from multiple perspectives mm. to represent the subject in a, in a greater context. The body is in a general position and darkly contrasts with the highlight of crowds and the crowds of people mm. on the left and the right. And they're uh, encapsulated into large spheres of bright colors of purple and indigo. Mm -hmm. And the background of the painting is depicted in lighter jewel tones uh, dissected with liner black ink. So Burden used these colors in contrast because of the abstract influence of the time, but also for their meaning. Burden wanted to explore the emotions and actions of the crowd that, that were gathered around the crucifixion. He worked hard to depict the myths in an attempt to convey universal human values and reactions. Mm -hmm. According to Behrens, Christ's life, death, and resurrection are, are the greatest expression of a man humanism because of the idea of him that lived out through other men. Mm -hmm. It is why Behrens focused on Christ's body first to portray the idea, the, the myth, and then highlighted the crowd. Wow. To show how the idea is passed on to men, which brings me to John 20, 17. Jesus said unto her, touch me not, mm. for I'm not ascended yet sent to my father, but go to your brethren and say unto them, I ascend unto my father and your father, and to my God and your God. See, being focused on the spiritual intent, mm -hmm. he wanted to show ideas of humanism and thought that cannot be seen by the eye, but must be digested by the mind, body, and soul. Burian's collage work began in 1963 to 1964. He first combined the images from magazine images and from cutouts and from colored paper, mm -hmm. which he would often use further to alter the use of by sandpaper and bleach and, and mm -hmm. graphite or paint. Bird enlarges these collages through the phosphate or photostate process, building on the momentum from successful exhibits of his photostate pieces of the Cordier and Estrom Gallery in 1964. Bird was invited to the solo exhibit at the Corrigan Gallery of Art in Washington, D.C. Washington, D.C. This heightening his public profile. Bird's collage technique changed over the years. And in later pieces, he would use blown up photostat, photographic images, silt screens, colored paper, and then billboard pieces to create large collages on canvas and fiberboards. Mm. In 1971, the Museum of Modern Art held a retrospective exhibit 
of Ben's work was travel to the University of Art Museum in Berkeley, California, hmm. where we live when we first moved to the Bay Area. Yeah. We like to call it Berserkly. <laughs> right. So I know they embrace his collages, which is kind of different. different. It's quite there different. You, go. you gotta have a taste for it. Mm. Now, I love art, but this is kind of different. But right here is where, where we live, the city of Berkeley, they commissioned Beards to create a mural for the city council chambers. Mm. The 16-foot wide mural incorporating many visual aspects of the city in collage style was installed in 1973 wow. and received positive reviews. It was taken down and it was loaned to the National Gallery of Art. Bearden Retrospective in 2003 had traveled to San Francisco. Cardi, baby, you hungry? Yes, you know I'm hungry. Come on, we about to go to McDonald's. Yes, I want a cheeseburger with some barbecue sauce. Mm, a little Coke on the side. You know I got to get the quarter pounder with cheese with the hot seat. I want an apple pie, too, with some fries. Oh, you know what we going to call what it. we going to call it? The Cardi B and Offset meal. Only to March 12th, though. Only to March 12th. Ba -ba 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 -ba. I'm loving it. Hey! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. San Francisco. Museum of Modern Art, to Dallas Museum of Art, to Whitney Museum of American Art. Following that tour, it was back, given back, put in storage at City Hall. Right now, it, where it awaits some seismic retrofitting, but the city council was meeting there, and a portion of the mural inspired the city's current logo. Romare Bearden, he died in New York City in March 12, mm. 1988 due to complications from bone cancer. Hmm. New York Times described Bearden in his obituary as one of America's preeminent artists and the nation's foremost collagist. Two years after his death, the Romara Bearden Foundation was, was founded. This nonprofit organization not only served as Bearden's official estate, but also helps to preserve and, and, perpetrate, and perpetrate the legacy, the legacy, excuse me, of his preeminent American artists. Recently has begun developing great grand giving programs amid at funding support of children and young adults, emerging artists and scholars. In Charlotte, North Carolina, a street was named after Bearden. Yeah, rightfully so. Intersecting, eh? right, right. Intersecting mm -hmm. West Boulevard on the west side of the city. Romero Bearden's Drive is lined by West Boulevard Public Library and rolls of townhouses near my alma mater of John C. Smith University. Oh, it's amazing how, wow. how we lived near this iconic black historical figure and his achievements inside of Charlotte Mecklenburg Main Library, 310 North Tyron Street, is Bearden's Masonic before dawn. After Bearden's death, his widow selected a 12 by 18 inch collage by him to be recreated in Samalti, which is glass tile, by Cravatos Messianic in Spielberg, Italy, for the grand opening gala, June 18th, 1989, mm. of the new library. She was publicly honored at that ceremony for her contribution to reinterpretation of the work in a nine feet tall and 13.5 feet wide. So groundbreaking. This is very interesting. I got to close with this. <laughs> the groundbreaking of Romir Bearden's Park in Charlotte took place in September the 2nd, 2011, and was completed and opened in August of 2013. Mm -hmm. It is situated on a 5.2-acre parcel located in the third ward between Church and Mint Street. Mm -hmm. 
mm-hmm. where the artist lived. He lived near there, near the park, for a time as a child. Nice. At the corner of what is now MLK Boulevard and Graham Street. The park mm-hmm. design is based on work. Public artist Noreen Sato. Her concepts were inspired by various multimedia collages. Now, fitting, fitting, the park serves as the entryway to a minor league baseball stadium, the BBNT Charlotte Night Baseball Park. Oh, wow. I tell y'all, Mr. Bearden and his whole family <laughs> yes, was yes, nothing yes. and nobody to play with. That's right. Did you guys get that information? <laughs> and things that really intrigued me was, you know, the street. We we uh-huh. go to Charlotte mm-hmm. uh, often. That's that's on my bucket list. I got to go and visualize that. <laughs> right, right. Um, and also some of his artwork. If you guys haven't checked any of that out, mm-hmm. uh, some are very interesting, but the, the Black history pieces are very nice. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I love that. But again, go and ahead. What I wanted to mention, I forgot to mention that he yeah. also, mm-hmm. in 2005, mm-hmm. was on a stamp, the U.S. Postal Stamp. Oh. She commemorated 10 important milestones of the civil rights movement. Mm-hmm. In Beard, 1984, lithogram, the lamp, was selected to illustrate the 1954 Brown and Board of Education Supreme Court decision. Mm. That in 2011, the U.S. Postal Service released a set of former or forever stamps featuring four of Bearden's paintings during the first day issues of the commemoration. So he was also on the stamp. I tell you, we are always on the move. This is more than, I know multi means multiple, but he, in the sense of the word, Mm -hmm. multiple talented, you know, black man that refused to denounce who he was. That's that's the most outstanding piece, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, And interesting enough, we have another former major league baseball player. I should say former baseball player, but Mm -hmm. he played you uh, formerly played Major League Baseball. Now, as I mentioned, I don't know, a few episodes ago, mm-hmm. how this is one of the least interesting sports that I know of, but I've learned a lot during this research. Right. Um, and this is another player, baseball uh-huh. player that turned artist. Mm-hmm. Uh, but here's the twist. He likes to empower, empower the Black kids through art. Mm-hmm. Uh, his name is Micah Drew Johnson, okay, born in December of 1990, very mm-hmm. young man, mm-hmm. that's had quite a career in baseball. His amateur baseball career started in Indiana. Okay. He attended Park Tudor School, which was a college preparatory school in Indianapolis, mm-hmm. Indiana. And he also played in uh, Indiana University in Bloomington. Uh, he played college baseball for them for the Indiana Hughesers oh, okay. baseball team. Now, right. I know the Indiana Hughesers, but I know them as what basketball, basketball mainly, right, right. Right, right? So interesting enough, uh, they're a pretty pretty good competitive team. In 2011, he played collegiate baseball, summer baseball that is okay. in Massachusetts, and then as a American former professional baseball second baseman. Mm-hmm. Wow, to be mid <laughs> in the middle of the field, right, you know, right, first right. or third, he mm-hmm. right there in the middle. He played in the minor league, ba- minor uh, major league baseball. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, mm-hmm. MLB for the Chicago White Sox. Okay, 
the Los Angeles Dodgers, as well as the Atlanta Braves, which is where we are now. They're pretty good. They are pretty good team. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. interesting enough, Michael Babbitt left and he threw right. Wow. <laughs> now that's called, I kept trying to figure it out. So, you know, I had to look it up. Mm -hmm. Ampidextrous. Right. Right. And it's sometimes called mixed handedness. Right. Now right. that's pretty talented mm -hmm. to be able to do both. Mm -hmm. Like I can do some things with my left, mm -hmm. but mainly I'm a right hander. Okay. Okay. Uh, so that's impressive to me. Mm -hmm. So um, that ability to use both hands skillfully mm -hmm. to perform tasks. Mm -hmm. Now get this only one, only about, they say 1% of people are naturally ambidextrous. Wow which equates to about 80 million people in okay. the world today. Okay. 1%. That's, that's impressive. If you got that gift, mm -hmm. God bless you. Mm -hmm. Use it, that's use it. it to the best of your ability. <laughs> right. So uh, as I mentioned before, the Chicago White Sox selected Micah in the ninth round okay. of the 2012 major league baseball draft. Wow. And he started his career with the rookie level, Great Falls Voyagers. Okay. Never heard of them. Probably a minor <laughs> league, some, you know, right. sub sub league. Right. So afterwards, Micah bounces around playing baseball in the minor league mm -hmm. baseball in, get this, Kannapolis, North Carolina. Wow. With mm -hmm. the Kannapolis Intimidators, okay. listen to this name, <laughs> and in Winston Salem, North Carolina, Salem. All right. with All the right. Winston Salem Dash, mm -hmm. not impressive. Come on, <laughs> Dash. But anyway, and with the Charlotte Knights, okay. look, you had just talked about that uh, of Charlotte, North Carolina. Now these three teams are affiliated today with the Chicago White Sox. Okay. Now right. that's interesting. Outside of Chicago, they got a minor mm -hmm. league. I don't know much about baseball, mm -hmm. so forgive me for my for my not knowing. Mm -hmm. uh, but Micah earned a spot on the White Sox 2015 opening day roster, batting okay. ninth and playing second base. Okay. All right. And then something happens. He ends up in the same year. Mm -hmm. Um in December of 2015 with the Los Angeles Dodgers. Okay. He was traded there. So anyway, wow. he was assigned, here we go again, to a triple A Oklahoma City Dodgers mm -hmm. to begin the season. He appeared in seven games in the majors okay. with one hit in six at bats. Mm -hmm. I don't know. That don't sound too <laughs> impressive. And 120 games mm -hmm. in Oklahoma City. Where he had a, a 261 batting average. Right, it's a little low. Yeah. Little, oh, that's low. So, <laughs> yeah, see, I, low. I was just going to ask you that. Yeah. And the Dodgers D, um, oh, sorry, designated him for mm -hmm. assignment on January 10th, 2017. So, okay. I guess that means traded him. Right. They get ready right. to set him up to be, mm -hmm. to be ousted. Mm -hmm. So, then he ends up January 13th, 2017, with the Atlanta Braves. Wow. There, he fractured his wrist mm. while making a diving catch in a spring training game. Mm -hmm. Oh, man. So mm -hmm. he didn't even get the, it's a training game. Right, right. So right. after surgery and rehabilitation, he mm -hmm. played 11 games for the Gwinnett Braves. Now, okay. we know about Gwinnett. That's, right, a, that's right. a city and right. a county here right. in Georgia, mm -hmm. uh, another minor league, and then was uh, sent back to the Braves in July. Okay. Um, and then later in his career, 
uh, Micah was claimed off waivers by the mm. Cincinnati Reds. Now, okay. how in the world they skipped something? Uh, how you get from Braves to the Reds? Anyway, right. um, then he was designated for assignment a couple of days later. Okay. And then he was claimed off waivers by the Giants. And then he was designated for assignment in November. This poor thing was. Yeah, that's the way it is in baseball. He was all over mm. the place. February 2018, he was outrighted to the minors mm -hmm. by the Rays and removed from the 40-man roster. And then right. he played for the Durham Bulls, probably mm -hmm. Durham, North Carolina. Mm -hmm. uh, and yeah. then an elected free agency in November the 2nd. So mm -hmm. all of that in, that's, in that probably a year span. Yeah, mm -hmm. Um so why you know why all this bouncing around would you say like mm -hmm. i don't i don't get it it's mm -hmm. like you don't find you don't find the stability you right. just you know hopping and jumping around i get it in basketball mm -hmm. and maybe that applies you can yeah. tell me yeah yeah well i mean their whole focus is to play you know and sometimes certain teams mm -hmm. has an opening or a position available and other teams may not so mm -hmm. once uh, they felt that you're not at the level. You know, they want everybody at a certain level to okay. perform. And to win, I and guess. And to win. <laughs> if you're not at that level and they're able to draft right. or to trade for someone that's at a higher level than you, then they have to switch you or transfer you over or draft you or send you back to the minor leagues. And so that's – but the whole focus, you know, he wanted to play. Yeah. And he was willing to accept that because that's just the way the industry is. Okay. And okay. the other thing you mentioned about – uh pitching with one hand and mm -hmm. hitting with another hand. He was probably a switch hitter, too. He could probably hit with oh. both hands, which is very uh, when someone is able to do that, that's very important. You know, they're, they are well searched out for, for somebody that can switch oh, hit. Because really? you're like the, switch, the hitters switch the opposite side of the pitchers. But uh, but yeah, he you know he wanted to play, so a lot of times they just go with the flow and they understand how the industry works. Yeah, yeah, very smart young man. You'll fi you'll figure it out in a minute. <laughs> uh, but Micah's baseball career it ended due to an injury to his left hamstring. So mm. not only was his wrist, wrist. injured, but mm. his left hamstring. And so, however, this is what I'm getting to: mm -hmm. wise young man. Mm -hmm that started taking care of his personal mm -hmm. uh, life after baseball right. during the 2014 season. Now, okay. what I just referenced was 2017. Right, right. Three years before, before that, that, this man was working on his after baseball personal life mm -hmm. by taking online classes because okay. he knew he couldn't go into the classroom. Right. He had to prepare for baseball mm -hmm. through Indiana University okay. to finish his degree. So along with his baseball career, he is also an artist Wow! and not just your ordinary artist. And okay. I'll explain that in a little bit as well. <laughs> but he started his intention to be um, to go into law school okay. because and I believe he still has this intention the way this man is so gold oriented. Mm -hmm. His goal is to become a major league baseball general manager. Wow. And I'm sure he can he can reach that goal. So, mm -hmm. listen, if all athletes, you know, across the board mm -hmm. would do some pre-thoughtful planning of that nature, if right, they are right. not already doing that, some people are just not that savvy to think beyond their current, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. that would make their lives so much better afterwards. Right. You know, should an injury occur as mm -hmm. this happened or should they get released mm -hmm. from the mm -hmm. team, you mm -hmm. know, and then you just mm -hmm. out. Right. 
trying to figure your way, you know? So take a page out of this young man, Michael Johnson's uh, book. So retiring from baseball Mm -hmm. after the 2018 season, Mm -hmm. Michael shifted his focus to creating artwork similar to Bearden, which was a hobby that he started only three years before. Look at that. So he later opened an art studio Mm -hmm. in New Hampshire where he created physical artwork on canvas. Now that's the artwork I'm familiar with. Now this brother gets into more stuff. He ventures off into the new and fast growing media of NFTs. Wow. Which are (laughs) non-fungible tokens. Okay. Or tokens that each represent a unique asset, Uh like a piece of art or digital content or media, which I guess you could say is like Apple Music, if you will, right, like, you right, know, right. we we subscribe to Apple Music, uh-huh. but if you want to buy that music, then you could do that. You can't physically, it's not like a CD right, or a cassette, right, 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 but right. you own ownership of that song, interesting right. enough. But <laughs> You need an electronic device to play it. Exactly. You know, but it, it's like, it's there. It's right. in the it's, cloud. It's in the cloud. Yeah. <laughs> so an NFT can be thought of as an irrevocable digital certificate of ownership. Okay and authenticity for the given asset. So whether digital or physical, it is not replaced by anything or another identical item Mm -hmm. and is not mutually interchangeable. You know, I might buy a song, but I can't give it to him. He got to buy it for himself. Look at that money. (laughs) Look at that money. So he sold multiple pieces in early 2020, Mm. um, selling one NFT in April for approximately $940. Now, okay. if another one comes along, you know, you, you sell them one at a time, I guess. Mm-hmm. So his work frequently depicts, again, Black children okay. in an inspirational and encouraging light. Okay. And in partnership with a blockchain-based art platform, which, again, I had to figure out what is blockchain. Mm-hmm. So it's a system okay. where transactions take place and are maintained electronically wow. and in a digital cryptocurrency environment again you know you can't touch it you can't feel it (laughs) it's all digital you know electronic exchange Mm -hmm. so johnson ended up uh, revealing revealing Uh a new piece called sovereignty okay in october of 2020 okay now the inspiration stems from overhearing his then four-year-old nephew Mm -hmm. asking his mother can astronauts be black wow well look then he don't know about right, what right. McNair right, right, and right, right. Uh, what's her name? Uh, May Jemison. May Jemison, right, right. Come on. I hope it's, it's mama and daddy and everybody else <laughs> let him know. We've been in the space, young man. We just got, you, you're going to be the next one. So Micah's stated mission was to take two black youths who faced adversity and then give them sovereignty, or in other words, empower them. That was his vision behind revealing sovereignty, that peace. So his brand is entitled Aku, which is a world built around Mm. dreams. Wow. It was imperative for him in a quote that he says to uh, incorporate talented artists and designers Mm. who have achieved their dreams into the world. And it's their mission to inspire everyone Mm. who walks through the door. All right. right. I love that. He is the creator. Mm -hmm. Don't let nobody fool you of Aku. Right, right. If you hear Aku, it's Michael Johnson. (laughs) It is not anyone else. He's Mm -hmm. the creator. Now, Aku comes to life for the first time 
with leading crypto exchange FTX US as okay. the official partner. Listen to this mm-hmm. of Aku World Miami. Now, he's the creator, but he's a partner. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Go figure. Now, this is always the Mm -hmm. case that a black man or a black woman originates. Right, right. And a white man Mm -hmm. confiscates. Right. (laughs) That's it. That's very common. Yeah. Look, I'm I'm going to tweet that and Facebook (laughs) it and Instagram it Uh because it's the truth. It's evident Mm. with our cool world, Miami, where Mm -hmm. Micah... He he's the originator of mm-hmm. all of this, but they right, right. grab the name, right. put right. World and Miami on it, mm-hmm. and then they invite him to it. Mm-hmm. So it's uh, it's introducing Aku, this young man that's okay. an, a black astronaut, this young ki- a child, okay. um, to the physical world. I get it. He gets the exposure. He gets his name out there. I understand. I'm sure he's wise and savvy with all of this undercutting, you know, mm-hmm. undercovering right. way of, of gravitating toward the money. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. they are, they mean the white people, they're cunning and they're crafty people. So right. be aware. Right. Be if aware. you're watching this, be aware, be on top of your game and go ahead and be your creative self. But That's just right. be aware because they are always on a mission mm-hmm. to take to take away mm-hmm. and to take over. I forgot they're going to take you down first. Then they're going to take you, take <laughs> right. over. Right. Right. So this event our cool world in Miami brings friends and collaborations across art, music, mm-hmm. fashion, and technology. Okay. Okay. This all comes together under this one roof and in mm-hmm. one space. Wow. So the visually stunning multi-layered event mm-hmm. will showcase uh, the dimensions of Aku, and then right. it'll allow guests to step out of reality right, right, right. into metaverse. Okay. Or that virtual reality space. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so we see a lot of this futuristic. Right. That's what that is, mm-hmm. you know, okay. where you you step out of uh, time into this make-believe world. Right, right, right. Uh, we've seen so many movies of that and people mm-hmm. that some weird stuff be going on. It's mm-hmm. like that's that's where we are. <laughs> I don't it. some of it I don't get. <laughs> it's kind of you know, plays with your mind. Right, right, right. So right. be careful, be alert. But mm-hmm. anyway. It, it blurs, the exhibits are going to blur. This is interesting. Blur the, blur the lines between NFT technology okay. and IRL, which is wow. in real life experiences. Mm. So with all this, I'm going to just pause here and diverse a little bit. With all this new age exchange that's going on with mm-hmm. cryptocurrency and FTX and right, right, uh, right. Bitcoin and, you know, and uh-huh. the likes, I'm telling y'all, please be careful. That's it. And all of my readings, you know, I just read this FTX founder. Mm-hmm. He's been indicted 20 wow. days ago on wow. new criminal charges relating to all this money that's going through his hands, digital, you know, digitally mm-hmm. and uh, electronically. Mm. Uh, so be careful with mm-hmm. all these acronyms that are going on anyway. What I, we can't keep up with the FTX and right, right, you know right, uh, right. NLTs and IRL mm-hmm. and whatever. You know we got to educate ourselves and know what's going on. Right, right. So here's another quote from Micah Johnson, the creator and the conceiver okay. of Aku. It says, "Aku World is a world built around dreams." Mm. Uh, and as he said before. It's, it's our mission to inspire everyone who walks through the door, who mm-hmm. takes a peek into our cool world. Wow. So um, in February of 2021, mm-hmm. our cool became the first NFT to be optioned 
for film and television. Wow. wow. And it's got and it's also the first NFT to travel to space. Oh, look at so that. he's already yeah. he's already gone to space. Go <laughs> ahead, Aku. It's a conduit. Uh-huh. to empower the next generation. There you go. I like that. I mm-hmm. really love that. And I appreciate how he's not just uh, operating in his own vein, but he's right, reaching right. back and pulling the, the mm-hmm. next generation That's ahead it. of it. explorers and dreamers and to see the world through Aku's uh, astronaut helmet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. I love that. So, <laughs> yeah. So see, once we've created, they gravitate. Mm-hmm. Towards the potential mm-hmm. and of course the future, right? And the money, right? So Micah is now focusing his efforts on creating change across the digital landscape, okay, and promoting his mission to empower youth of color. Okay, thank you, because we're not the only people of color, right? right and right. diligently work to make NFTs accessible to okay. everyone okay. because that's the new age, that's right? New age. I it. love it. I love it. So in less than a year, Micah's artwork has amassed mm. a passionate fan base generating over 10 million US wow. dollars in sales. Wow. Did he work that <laughs> or what? I'm telling you. Wow. Look, baseball didn't work, but look at what <laughs> he did. So Aku has proven to be a very inspiring character. Uh-huh that a lot of people from diverse backgrounds, see, Uh can connect with. Okay. So in an interview that Micah had, he says, and that's special in itself Uh because I probably will never make another character again in my life Mm. that will have the same organic impact. Okay. The first one is the one. That's it. So Micah Johnson said the process of developing Aku Mm. from a painting to a digital entity okay. that exists in his own universe was almost like therapy. Okay, all right. Uh, he says parts of himself along uh, alongside aspirational personality traits, mm-hmm. Aku quickly became more than just a two-dimensional character. Okay. It was very important that Aku was confident mm-hmm. as a Black man, confident, right. and right. Aku, right. I'm sorry, and Micah actually explained on forming his identity because he is a dreamer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So Micah likened Aku's steadfast nature to his own childhood. Okay, He has always wanted to pursue baseball as a career, mm-hmm. but was met with skepticism right. by people who told him to consider mm-hmm. another option. Another option. Wow. Now you can't play baseball, go do something mm-hmm. else. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, when you get that, opposition, then you go and make it better. You That's turn it. it around for something positive and for your good. That's right. And so pursuing his passion, he said, was a reminder that it's okay to be bold mm-hmm. about what you want to accomplish. Right. And right. Aku was created to embody that notion. Wow. I wow. love it. <laughs> so beyond inspiring confidence, Aku was created to elevate Black voices. Okay and carve out a space for creators of color in the metaverse. Wow. Now, there's not very many Black people in space, Michael Mm -hmm. Johnson said, and we mentioned that as well. Mm -hmm. So he's trying to bridge the gap between culture and Web3. There we go. Now, I had to look that up. (laughs) I know y'all looking at me kind of sideways, but it's like, that's an idea for a new version of the World Wide Web. Okay. It incorporates concepts 
such as decentralization, mm -hmm. blockchain, as I mentioned before, technologies, and token bake, bake, I'm sorry, based, right. token based right. electronics okay. and economics like NFTs. Mm. Wow. That's what Web3 is. So it's no more this big WWW or the mm -hmm. internet. Mm -hmm. Now it's Web3. That's okay. what we're evolving into. Okay. So this thing is ever-changing, y'all. Right. It's right. ever-changing. Right. So lastly, Micah notes that historically, uh -huh. and this is very true, many Black comp communities, mm -hmm. we have lacked resources right. to keep us with the changing times, right. the right. changing right. industries, mm -hmm. and the new technology. Mm -hmm. So I appreciate the bridging of the gap that he's doing mm -hmm. and the fact that he's reaching out because there's so many of our young people that are creative, that mm -hmm. may not have the money and the means. Right to right. pursue something like this. Mm -hmm. And that's what it's becoming. But again, uh, this is Micah Drew Johnson, mm -hmm. former Major League Baseball player, now uh, artist mm -hmm. that is now in this Web3 metaverse, mm -hmm. you know, uh, blockchain, mm -hmm. NFT environment. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's just blowing my mind. So I've <laughs> learned a lot. I've learned a lot through wow, this process. Wow. And we hope y'all enjoyed this process of learning because we... We're just so amazed. We talk about the 20th century yes, collages, right? You know where Burden came from, and now Johnson in the 21st century. Mm. Now we understand why so many uh, elderly—I wouldn't say senior citizens—but so many <laughs> citizens of our age and a little bit older—they're so skeptical they and they're so hesitant, yeah, to deal with social media or even you know Cash App or Zelle. Or That's right. These other opportunities. So you're talking about cryptocurrency. You're talking about what Oco, uh, you Yo, know, Aku. Aku, mm -hmm. You know. So this is. This is a new wave. This yes, is a new it. age. This is where we're going. And our generation may be more receptive to right, it. Right. But of course, we've got to not be, you know, fearful, but mm -hmm. step out there and just learn about learn it. I'm about not saying it. get involved. Mm -hmm. That's your decision. Um, but yeah, we got to, you know, we got to stay abreast because yeah, our grandchildren yeah. going to be, you know, <laughs> uh, you don't know anything about that. No, right. 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 Don't, but I, I want to be up on top of some of this stuff. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So we hope you were enlightened yeah, on today. Definitely. And educated. We really enjoyed you and thank you so much for joining. And we're going to close out with our scripture, uh, which is coming from Isaiah 43 19. Mm -hmm. And it says, Behold, mm. I will do a new thing. Right. Now it shall spring forth. Mm -hmm. Shall ye not know it? Mm. I will even make a way in the wilderness right. and rivers in the That's desert. Right. God bless you God and may bless keep you. you on this weekend yes. and have a blessed day. And thank you again for joining us. Thank you. God bless you.